Welcome to the podcast at thatguitarlover.com. I'm your host, Ross Chevalier. Hey, folks. Welcome to the third episode in what has become our home recording series. By now, you understand the value propositions behind the audio interface and the digital audio workstation. In this episode, we discuss the critical elements required for properly hearing your work. It's very popular with depth-defying internet types to remind us that hearing is not the same as listening. Pedantic, but true. But what gets missed is the adjective that describes how to listen, and how is the process of active listening, also known as listening with intent. This may be harder than you think, because we're so inundated by audio stimuli these days that active listening is actually quite a challenge. To be able to listen actively to our recordings, we require audio outputs that support this intent, and so this time we're going to focus our attention on studio monitor speakers and studio headphones. As a generalization, you may have speakers built into your computer, or even a small desktop speaker system that connects to your computer. These days, most folks' idea of headphones are earbuds. All have practical applications, of course, but none of them are suitable for active listening to recorded music, especially the music you're recording yourself. Let's start our conversation around studio monitor speakers. A studio monitor is a speaker with its own power amplification. It's not dependent on a separate power amp. In design, it must be completely flat in its frequency response, so thereby not favoring any particular frequency or dropping out another one. Traditional, or what we might call regular high-fidelity speakers, as we might find on a stereo, don't actually do this. They add coloration. And so does the audio receiver or preamp-power-amp combination. They're built for a different purpose than studio monitors. Studio monitors don't have to be very large in size, nor do they need to have gigantic woofers. The larger diameter speaker that delivers bass and mid-range response is commonly referred to as a woofer. Because in general, you, the active listener, are going to be very close to the speakers themselves. Probably a very different scenario than you might have in a classic hi-fi system. The studio monitor speakers are connected by balanced line cables to the monitor outputs of your audio interface. They're not connected to the computer at all. I mentioned the importance of monitor outputs in the interface episode, and fortunately for all of us, any of the interfaces that I referred to have this functionality built in. And candidly, so do most of the ones that I didn't mention. Speakers that are positioned physically close to the active listener are referred to as near-field monitors because the listener is near to the speakers. A medium-field monitor and a large-field monitor are two different devices. They're built specifically for active listening where the listener is at medium and large distances from the studio monitors. As the distance for listening goes up, so does the size of the monitor, and so does its cost. Since we're talking mostly about home recording, 
we're going to stick with near field options in order to keep the physical size and the price in a reasonable range. A near field monitor commonly will have two speakers in its cabinet, a low to mid frequency speaker called the woofer and an upper mid to high frequency speaker commonly called the tweeter. It's not about the number of speaker elements in the monitor. What matters is the accuracy of the sound field produced by that monitor. While you will find some studio monitors that include EQ capabilities, such as you will find on the backs of the KRK Rocket series, when you're monitoring your recorded work, you want that EQ curve to be as flat as possible. Otherwise, you're going to make mixed decisions that may not work out so well when your music is deployed. There are also price tiers to consider when purchasing a pair of studio monitors. If you're on a budget, a pair of the PreSonus ERIS Eris E5 XD monitors are quite decent, and you'll be able to get a pair of those for about $340 Canadian. A good mid-price pair of monitors would either be a pair of Atom Audio T5V, like Victor Active Studio monitors, a pair will run you about $600 Canadian, or a pair of Yamaha's HS5IW by Amplified Studio monitors, and they're going to run you about $620 Canadian. When you do go shopping, please be aware that studio monitors are rarely priced in pairs. They're priced as individuals. So let that be your guide when you go shopping. For what is, in my opinion, the best sound for the dollar, while staying well under a grand, I recommend the Focal Alpha 50 EVO studio monitors. And from a Focal dealer, you're going to find those somewhere around $800 a pair. Now, if you have the wherewithal to spend more, you could consider the Focal Alpha 65 EVOs at around $1,060 a pair. This is not to say that there are not other studio monitor options. I do own a couple of different pairs of KRK G4 monitors in different sizes, and they're quite decent, but they're not, in my opinion, as accurate in terms of audio representation as the Yamaha HS5, which is at the same price point. It's funny that Yamaha is often underestimated when it comes to musical gear. Remember, their logo is a tuning fork. They made their bones in music. The KRK line used to be an independent company and now it's owned by Gibson. That does mean wider distribution, but also increases the risk of a reduction in quality while the price goes up. Once you get to the $800 per pair price point, you cannot, as far as I am concerned, beat Focal monitors. I prefer the Alpha Evo 50s over the even more expensive Yamaha HS8 monitors that adorn most every studio control room in the world. The larger the diameter of the woofer is, the better the low end bass response. Depending on the type of music that you record, if your monitor has a small woofer, meaning under a 5-inch woofer, you may choose to add a powered subwoofer. The challenge there is that a good one will cost as much or more than a good pair of studio monitors 
So only go this route if your music is dependent on a lot of bass below 40 hertz. Also, be sure to check your interface that it has enough outputs to support three separate speakers. In general, I'll always recommend a woofer of at least five inches in diameter. Smaller woofers will work, but the bass response does suffer. That can affect what you do in your mix. Every monitor that I have mentioned to you has at least a five inch woofer. Also note, studio monitors will always be wired. They are never wireless and they're definitely not Bluetooth. You want the proper and full frequency response. And the only way to do that is with wires, balanced lines. When setting up your speakers, you want to build an equilateral triangle. If basic geometry is well in your past, an equilateral triangle is a triangle having all sides with equal length. In this scenario, the distance from the left speaker to your head is exactly the same distance as from the right speaker to your head, and the distance between the left and the right speakers is exactly the same. So if you think of those lines, they're all the same length. So for your home desk, if the speakers are, say, two feet apart, you want your head to be two feet away from each of the left and the right speakers. If you break this guideline, you're going to hear balance issues that may not be real. Now, of course, this also presumes that your test track is in perfect stereo and has no panning applied in the interface or in the DAW. For some folks, monitor speakers will not work due to available space or working location, and you may have to make the decision to go with headphones. Editing with headphones demands excellent and neutral headphones. But to be blunt, really superb headphones are well over a thousand bucks, nearly 2000. So I'm gonna confine myself to better and best under the $400 price point. And for my international listeners, I'm using Canadian dollars for reference. Most headphones have crappy frequency response. What you'll see is a quoted frequency range, say 20 Hertz to 20,000 Hertz, that doesn't specify what we call error bars. This is Bokeh's marketing. When we actually look at a set of headphones, we're gonna see a frequency range with a plus or minus figure. Now, you would ideally like that to be less than plus or minus one dB, but I've seen very expensive headphones that are 20 to 20K plus or minus three dB. And that means on the minus side, half of the audible volume at some point in that range. My choice for better headphones to propose to you at a lower cost are the Audio-Technica MTH-M50X, often referred to as the M50s. They are an excellent general-use monitoring headphone that sells for about 250 Canadian dollars. They are a circumoral or surround-ear closed-back design, which is what you want for monitoring and mixing, because you want to exclude all other sound. Reminder, you don't want wireless or Bluetooth. Headphones will need that real cable to the interface, 
because that's where you're going to connect them. And most interfaces don't do wireless or Bluetooth. You want to be cautious again when looking at specifications. Even in the case of these M50s, which I own, the marketing material quotes the frequency response as 38 hertz to 28 kilohertz. But without the error bars, it really is pretty much meaningless. Now, you may be able to hear down to 38 hertz. Most people can't. But even a very fine human ear with no issues at all is going to top out on average at about 17,000 hertz. The M50s have an impedance of 38 ohms, and that is a good thing. The higher the ohm count in the impedance rating indicates that it takes more energy to get the internal speakers moving, and hence the sound reproduction is not sloppy or flappy. The lower the ohm rating, the less power is needed to get the speaker cones moving, but it also makes them less exacting. That's about the nicest way I can put it. You can spend more money. Uh, the MTH-70X closed back headphones are about $430 per pair. They claim a wider frequency response. In this case, 5 hertz to 40,000 hertz. They don't specify any plus or minus range. And again, humans don't hear down to 5, and they sure don't hear up to 40k. These headphones are 35 ohms. Both of them use speaker elements using very lightweight neodymium magnets. And in my experience, with a pair of M50s and a pair of M70s, I could not hear any difference playing back the same reference track. Please take this the right way. I'm not slamming Audio Technicus because lots of vendors do this. They make a big deal about gold-plated contacts. That's a line of Toro poo-poo because gold-plated contacts don't mean better sound. That micro-thin gold plating just means that there's more resistance to corrosion. The proposal that gold-plated contacts makes for better audio is one of the audio industry's greatest lies. Probably not surprising, the headphones that I recommend, if you can get there, come from Focal. On the same reference track, doing side-by-side -side comparisons, and I did this using a passive Mackie switcher, one that you're going to find in a lot of home studio sales areas, I hear through content through the Focal Listen Pro closed-back studio headphones that is missing from even more expensive headphones. And until I get to the Focal Clear MG Professional headphones, which sell for about $1,900 Canadian, I can't hear anything different. The Listen Pro sell for about $400 a pair. Remember I said I wasn't going to go over that amount. They are 32 ohms impedance, and they are massively efficient, generating 122 decibels at 1 kilohertz with 1 volt RMS in. That means you don't have to turn them way up to get really, really effective dynamic range. They're lightweight and not fatiguing, and their cloth ear surrounds, remember I said circumoral, goes around the ear. The ear surrounds are soft, comfortable, and they don't build up sweat because they're cloth. And in fact, on any headphones that have leather or vinyl ear coverings, 
I purchased accessory absorbent cloth covers to use on them. Don't need that with the Focals, of course. They are rated at 5 hertz to 22K within the error bars. I find them to be flat in terms of frequency response from about 30 hertz to 18 kilohertz. And I did measure this using a frequency analyzer and I'm pretty impressed. I don't hear lower than that and I don't hear higher than that. And neither do most other humans. Now, just for your own yucks, because you're probably not gonna buy them, the Focal Clear MG headphones have an impedance of 55 ohms. And as a consequence, they've got more high-end response if we plot the curve out. And they're the only circumoral open-back headphones, remember we were talking about closed-back, these are the only open-back headphones that I've personally ever really liked. Doing open-back well in a studio headphone is very hard work. And Focal has put a lot of serious audio engineering into theirs. Will I ever buy a pair? Only if I get a production job that pays so darn much to fund them fully. And only after adding to my microphone locker first with some choice Neumann and Royer microphones. But I digress. Some engineers and producers have discovered that mixing in headphones can only result in final prints that don't sound quite right in rooms with regular speakers. I get that, particularly for finals with really wide frequency response and a really, really massive dynamic range. Quick reminder, dynamic range is the measurement between the lowest audible sound and the loudest audible sound. Fortunately, there are plugins that you can use in your DAW that will specifically let you mix while wearing headphones, but they will provide you in your headphones an accurate representation of real studio mixing rooms. Waves Audio, a company I've talked about in the past, has a number that are typically on sale for between $30 and $40, in this case, US dollars, or you get them when you purchase their full subscription option. I have to admit to you that my favorite plugin for headphone mixing and mastering is Abbey Road Studio 3. At 40 bucks US, it's awesome. Now, if you want more options and you can afford $78 US one time, you can get the NX Virtual Studio Collection that gives you the studio mix rooms from Chris Lord Alge's Mix LA studio, from Oceanway Studios in Nashville, and from Germano Studios in New York. So that plus Abbey Road gives you four absolutely incredible mix rooms in your headphones. You may even be able to get away with a lower quality headphones for mixing and mastering if your budget requires you to. Now, I've talked about Audio-Technica and Focal headphones, and it's very important that when we look at these plug-in tools, that that headphone is specifically referenced within the software, because, right, it's making a EQ curve that delivers to fit headphones capability. Both the headphones that I've referenced are included in the software. Now, if you have another hundred US dollars, 
you can add a Bluetooth device that connects to your computer and it tracks the movement of your head while you're mixing and mastering and it will adjust the response in your headphones as your head moves around. I've tried them. They're definitely interesting. But in my case, my personal needs don't require me to purchase one. I hope you found the episode helpful. Monitor speakers and headphones are more important and more complex than a lot of folks think. Always feel free to send an email or post a comment. I read and respond to all of them. As always, thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the articles and the podcast so you get notified when a new one is posted. I'm Ross Chevalier, and until next time, peace. Thank <laughs> you.